Well, good morning, Oakwood. If only if it was that easy, right? We just snap our fingers, say a quick prayer, and everything that we're thankful for comes right back. This is the uh, first Sunday in what we know as the Advent season. That's the season of preparation as we lead up into the birth of Christ. But this is also Thanksgiving weekend. And so sometimes we have a tendency to skip our blessings and skip being thankful and go right to the Christmas season. We're not doing that here. Many families have a uh, Thanksgiving tradition, maybe to go around the table before you eat and say, hey, let's just say what we're thankful for, right? And so as soon as we say what we're thankful for, hardly get those words out of our mouth and we're out the door for Black Friday. Well, really, it's kind of turned into Black November, hadn't it? And we just kind of skip Thanksgiving or it becomes kind of an afterthought. And I want to tell you something. Thankfulness is a lifestyle, not a one-day event, okay? And some of the happiest people I know are people that are grateful and thankful for what God has given. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 100. And this is what we kind of know as the Psalm of Thanksgiving. It's only five verses, and we're going to read all five of these verses today. Shout, to the, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Today, before we get through what we know as Thanksgiving weekend, I want us to stop and really count our blessings. And not only count our blessings, but I want us to be a blessing. So that's what I want us to focus on today is being a blessing. Psalm 68 verse 19, and I like the way the New King James Version uh, worded this. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. You could almost substitute that word benefits with blessings. Who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation, Selah. Now that word Selah here means to pause or to reflect. Think about this. Because every day the Lord loads us down with blessings. You get that? Every single day. And he does that because he loves us and because he wants us to be a blessing to others. So he blesses us, get this, so that we in turn can bless others. How many of you can remember an old hymn that we used to sing? It probably, I haven't heard it for a long time. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your many blessings. I think that's a great reminder that we need to stop and be grateful because we are a blessed people. There's a website you can go on. It's called How Rich Am I? 
Now, if you want to know where you stand as far as global wealth, go to this website, How Rich Am I?, and you can type in your income, and it will tell you where you stand as far as the worldwide global rich list, okay? So I typed in $50,000 yearly income for a family of two, okay? Modest income. That would put you in 95.1% wealthier than 95% of the world. So I thought, okay, let me have a little fun here. I typed in 75,000. If your income is 75,000 for a family of two, that puts you in the top 97.9, almost 98% of the world's wealthiest people. If you were fortunate enough to make $100,000 and you type that in, you would be a one percenter. You would be in the wealthiest 1% of the world. Do you get that? So if you woke up this morning with more health than you had sickness, you're already more blessed than the 1.2 million people the CDC says will die worldwide this week. If you've never experienced danger of battle or the loneliness of imprisonment or the agony of torture or the hunger pangs of starvation, you're ahead of over 500 million people in the world today. If you walked into church here today without any threat of interference from the government, of being harassed, beaten, tortured, or maybe possibly killed, you are more blessed this morning than three million people worldwide gathering for worship today. If you can go to your refrigerator and open up your refrigerator and there's any food at all, I'm not talking about your favorites, but any food at all, you can go to your pantry and there's any food in that pantry or closet at all, and you have clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep tonight, you are wealthier than 75% of the world just by having those things that we take for granted. But you know, our culture is obsessed with getting more and rich and wanting more and more and more. And you know, even Christians struggle with this. And I think Jesus knew that we would struggle with this whole idea of ingratitude and money and wealth. That's why half of his parables were about possessions and money. Do you realize that? Half of Jesus' teachings were about money and wealth. And I think we fail to realize just how blessed we are and what we have to be grateful for. I want to make only two observations today, okay? So if you're taking notes, I only am going to make two observations. The first one is we need to recognize we have been blessed, okay? We've got to recognize that we have been blessed. God wants to bless us, and I want you to get this, so that we can bless others. But you cannot be a blessing to others until you first recognize that you have been blessed yourself and you have something to share with other people. America is a very, very blessed nation. We are a very prosperous nation. And the whole rest of the world sees this. A lot of countries in this world build walls or fences to keep their people in. We can't keep people out. I mean, people are, are coming here by the millions every year, some of them risking life and, and health 
to walk, to swim, to however they get here, because they recognize this nation is blessed. Now, I know a lot of people uh, want to argue and fight about the whole border situation, and we're not, we're not going to go that, but there's some very strong feelings. But worldwide, people recognize how blessed this country is, and that's why they want to they be here. And it, it baffles me sometimes where sometimes um, people in leadership want to change our country to become like all the rest of the world when the rest of the world is wanting to come here because we're not like them, because they recognize how blessed we are as a country. Amen? Now, I know we could probably start pointing out all the faults and things wrong with our country. But listen, friends, I've been to some third world countries before, and, and as many problems as we might have here, there's still nowhere else on this earth that is more blessed than we are. Psalm 33, 12 said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. You get that? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I believe a lot of our blessings stem directly because of the stance America has taken with the Jewish people and the people of Israel. If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, there's a promise that is given to Abram. Now, this is before he had his name changed to Abraham, but he was known as Abram at this time. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, listen to this, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will, whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, I know you're saying, well, that was a specific blessing for Abram and the Israelite people, the Jewish people. But we are recipients of that same blessing because we have been a nation that has blessed Israel. And if we've stood with Israel, and I hope that we always do. God made America into a superpower, and he has blessed us immeasurably. But Scripture also says, too much is given, much is required. So while we have been blessed, a lot more is going to be expected and required from us. God has blessed us as a country so that we, in turn, can bless others. He's blessed us individually so we, in turn, can bless others individually. And he didn't do that so we can just sit idly by and become uninvolved in things because it's inconvenient, it's messy, we might get involved, and I just don't have the time. I've been shocked at the, the number of violent attacks that have happened this year in our country in people that have refused to get involved. In February, a Filipino man was slashed on the face with a box cutter on a New York City uh, subway, and no one came to his aid. 
No one offered him a towel to, to bandage his bleeding or, hey, can we stop the assailants that got you? In Las Vegas, just a few months ago, an elderly man was beaten unconscious on a city bus full of passengers. And nobody offered to defend or, or to help him. Last month in Washington, D.C., on a D.C. bus, a group of mostly juveniles attacked an elderly woman, beat her up, and kicked her off the bus because she had asked them to stop cursing. And not one single passenger on that bus came to her aid or assisted her, but many took out their phones, and guess what? They videoed it. And what about the images earlier this year that made national news of an elderly man in his late 70s who walked out in front of the car and he got struck by a car and knocked him up in the air and he was left there in the street. And people walked around him on the sidewalk. People, motorists drove right by. There was one motorcycle that drove up and had to go around him, but nobody came and rendered aid. But this has been going on for a long time, not just today. Back in 1964, 37 people witnessed a stabbing murder of an elderly lady. They heard her screams and their cries for help, and they didn't do anything, not even call the police. You see, God has blessed this country so that we, in turn, can be a blessing to other people and other nations. God has blessed us as individuals so that we in turn can be a blessing to other individual people. Not so that we can sit back and do nothing. Not so we can sit back and not get involved and think, well, I don't have much to give or I can't do this or I don't have time. You know, when disaster strikes worldwide, whether it's a tsunami, an earthquake, a typhoon, the United States often is the very first to respond, and I commend us for that, but that's what God expects because he has blessed us not to hoard it all, but so that we in turn can go and be a blessing for others. Have you ever prayed for God's blessing in your life? Probably most of us had. And I want you to know there's absolutely nothing wrong with praying for God's blessing in your life. I think you should pray for God's blessing in your life. And God wants to bless you, not just to make you wealthy, to make you comfortable, but so that you can go and be a blessing for someone else. But before you can be a blessing, you have to realize that you've already been blessed and you have something to share. A lot of people tell me all the time, well, I, I, I really have nothing to give, nothing to offer. I'm not qualified. I'm not trained. I'm not good enough. I don't have the resources. I, I'm imperfect. Boy, read through the Bible and see all the imperfect people that God chose to bless the world with. All the imperfect people in the Bible with all their faults and the flaws, and God says, I'm going to bless this world because of them. Noah built an ark, but guess what he did as soon as he got off the ark? He got drunk. Abraham was too old to have children, but guess what? God made him into a father of a nation with generations of people, too numerous to count. Isaac was a daydreamer. 
Jacob was a big fat liar. Leah was ugly. Now, not my Leah, I want you to know, okay? But the Leah in the Bible. I had to clear that up. Joseph was abused and mistreated. Moses didn't speak very well. Gideon, the great warrior, he was afraid of his own shadow. Samson was a hippie, real long hair, unkept, and he was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. And guess what? God included her in the genealogy of our Savior, Jesus. David, the man after God's own heart, a great warrior king, had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah suffered with depression and was suicidal. Isaiah, listen to this, he preached naked. You think that would have made the news today? Jonah was disobedient and he ran from God. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist had awful taste in clothes and he ate locusts. Peter denied Christ three times. The disciples, some of them couldn't even stay awake and pray when Jesus asked them to. They fell asleep. Mary Magdalene was a harlot. Zacchaeus, remember the wee little man? He was too small to be used. Paul was too religious. But God took all of those people with all their imperfections and he used them to bless the world. He turned them into a blessing. So don't tell me that you don't have what it takes or you're not good enough, not qualified, not skilled, whatever. God's going to take whatever you give him, and he's going to use you as a blessing. Second observation is that you have to want to be a blessing. You know, I read of great men that not necessarily were in the Bible, but like Dwight L. Moody, Charles Spurgeon, Billy Sunday, George Whitfield, George Washington Truett. Billy Graham, those men have all been such a, a blessing, some of them great evangelists, because they desired to be a blessing. So I want to ask you this morning, do you desire to be a blessing? Do you want to be a blessing to someone, or are you just content? Parents, I want to tell you, I believe one of the greatest gifts that we can teach our, our children is not some sports skill, not how to pick out a career, not to become wealthy, how to pursue wealth, but is how to give, how to serve, how to bless, how to love. I was so proud and, and, and touched, and it just made my heart so happy. This last year during Vacation Bible School, we always take up an offering. There was a little girl that had just recently had a birthday, and she got a lot of money for birthday, you know, grandmas, grandpas, and people that came to her birthday party, and she brought all of that money and put it in the offering at Vacation Bible School. Parents, good job teaching that young lady how to be a blessing, how to give, how to serve, how to share. I may have told this story before, and if I have, just... Uh, Listen again. It's sometimes hard to remember 
some of the stories and things I share, whether it was in a sermon or in a class. But three years ago on Thanksgiving Day, I called both of my adult daughters and their husbands out on the back porch. And I said, I'm going to give you, your mom and I want to give you our Christmas present. Not the present that we're going to give you on Christmas Day, but we're going to give you the present that we want from you. And I handed each of them an envelope with $200 cash in it. And I said, if you accept this, what I want you to do is between now and Christmas, you find somebody to bless. Find somebody that's not expecting it, that can't repay it, that you've just recognized the need, and I want you to go bless these people. And then I want you to come back and, and tell the story. It was the best Christmas present I've ever had. Parents, it's not too early to teach your kids to serve, to be a blessing, to give, to love. Moms and dads, grandparents, it's not too late to model that and to show the joy in being a blessing and to give to others. It's not too late. The more God gives us, the more we have to give. I want you to listen to what the prophet Haggai had to say to his people. They were allowed to come back to their homeland and to build their house, but they were also supposed to rebuild God's house. But they got so busy building their own houses and decorating their own homes that they left God's house in ruins. Haggai is the second to last book of the Old Testament. Turn with me there if you want. In uh, chapter 1, we'll begin reading with verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Not time. I swear, we're not ready to do that. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled house. Or is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled house while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of, of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. See, God made it very clear that it wasn't that he couldn't bless these selfish people, that he wouldn't bless these selfish people till they got their attitudes and their hearts right. 
They were more focused on taking care of themselves and their own house, their own home, rather than God's house. And he said, because of that, you're not going to have enough crops. You're not gonna have, your clothes aren't going to keep you warm. You won't have enough money. I'm going to withhold rain till you learn a lesson. God had blessed them a lot, but all they could think about was themselves. Dwight L. Moody, he attended a prayer meeting. This is years ago in one of his writings. He said that uh, they needed to raise $5,000. He attended this prayer meeting with some very affluent businessmen. And they got down on their, their knees and they started praying. And in the middle of that, he stopped and he said, guys, stop. He goes, we're asking for God to bless us. He already has. It's time for you to get off your knees and start writing checks because he's already given us more than enough. So the question is today, how do you or how do I become a blessing? Let me tell you, the ways are endless. You can be a blessing literally in thousands of ways. Maybe simply by offering friendship, by giving, by helping by serving, by calling, by encouraging, to offering your, your time. The ways to be a blessing are, are countless. The greatest blessings are the ones that can't be replayed. Somebody, you're not doing this to be repaid. You're just doing this because they can't repay you. Or maybe that they're even unknown. They're anonymous. But God knows Leah's brother, who's here with us today, he's my brother-in-law. Yesterday, he came home and he told me a story that he was purchasing th some things. And there was a, a couple that was there. He said, you could just tell the way they were dressed. They were really down on their luck. He said, I've not seen poverty like that in some time. And they had their mom or grandmother with them. And she was probably 70, 80 years old. And I said, Mom, we want you to pick out a, a gift here. And she picked out something, and it was like $90. They went to pay, and they said, we, we need to put this on layaway. We don't have the money for that. She said, would you mind if I help this gentleman behind you? Because I've got to call somebody to help me. I don't know how to do this layaway. And they said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So Chris bought his stuff and he said he just felt God speak to him and said you need to buy that gift as well so he told the clerk he goes I want to pay for that as well but I don't want them to know it please don't tell them so he paid for his gifts and walked away and he was just about out of earshot and he could hear the clerk say that man just bought this for you <laughs> It's not what he wanted, but God led him to be a blessing to somebody else that couldn't afford it, couldn't repay. They didn't know him, never see him again. But God wants to bless you, and he wants you to be a blessing. And if you will get yourself in a place for God to use, he will literally wear you out. He will overload you with so much blessing that you've got to give it away. The scripture uh, from Psalm 68 said, 
Blessed be the Lord who loads, daily loads us with benefits. You understand that? It's not just the one. He gives us every single day. He will load you down with even more blessings than you already have. I read an interesting story this week. It's a, a, a true but a sad story that it first appeared in a newspaper in Tampa, Florida in 2008. But because it had such a great Thanksgiving message to it, it got republished and reshared again. And it's about a man who lived in Hudson, Florida, and his name is Andy Law. Well, one morning Andy was reading the daily newspaper, and he read a story about a man by the name of Joseph Prudentine, a 66-year-old man, a veteran that was down on his luck, had some grandkids living with him out of necessity, had some health problems, struggling to make his own mortgage payment. But he had gone to jail for the crime of, listen to this, of having a brown lawn. Okay? His lawn was too brown. He'd received some notices from the local homeowners association that his grass wasn't green enough for community standards, but he just overlooked them and ignored them because he, he couldn't do anything about it. He didn't have the resources or the health to be able to take care of that, and so the homeowners association did what was within their power. They filed a court order, and he was arrested, and the judge had him thrown in jail without the option of posting bail. Here's where the story of Andy came in. Andy had his own troubles. He had a business that he was in danger of losing. He was failing. He was on the verge of losing his house. He had considered bankruptcy. But when he read this story about Joseph Prudentine, he, he decided something had to be done. And he said, this is a problem that can be solved. So he started making calls, asking for help. And later that day, workers began to show up. A nursery had donated sod enough to do the whole lawn somebody else donated some landscaping equipment to level and to make this work somebody fixed the underground sprinkler system they donated mulch and flowers and by the end of the day that yard was pristine green with flowers and just as they finished doing all this work just a downpour began to happen Jennifer, Joseph's wife, said, I believe our luck is beginning to change. Well, the next day, Joseph was released from jail, and I guess he probably stayed out as long as his yard stayed green enough. But I believe this story is more about Andy than it is about Joseph. Yeah, I know it's outrageous that you could go to jail in America for having a brown lawn, and maybe that's, some that, that's all that some people will hear out of this. But the more impressive fact is that here was a young man down on his luck, put his own problems behind him, put him on the back burner long enough to go and be a blessing to somebody else because he realized how blessed he was. This is a great example of the Apostle Paul's words when he said in Philippians 2 verse 4, each of you should not only look to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. God has blessed you 
so that you in turn can be a blessing to others.